Welcome to this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, hosted by me, Christina Simmons, who will be your guide for this audio online retreat that's going to be focused upon continuing to help you become the saint God created you to be. This retreat, we're going to be reading from the spiritual classic, The Soul of the Apostolate by Dom Jean-Baptiste Chattard. And it's going to include a brief reflection and daily resolution. It's designed to help you incorporate and live out that wisdom in your daily life. So, join with me now as we take our next step in our pilgrimage towards holiness. Hello and welcome to Day 26. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds today as we pray this prayer from St. Augustine, our prayer patron and intercessor. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are beginning part four today about the reality of action is made fruitful by the interior life. And our section today is the interior life is the condition on which the fruitfulness of active work depends. Let us leave to one side the cause of fruitfulness called by theologians ex opere operato. Considering only what is produced ex opere operantis, we recall that if the apostle carries out the principle of he who abideth in me and I in him, the fecundity of his work willed by God is guaranteed. The same beareth much fruit. Such is the plain logic of this text. After such an authority, there is no need to prove this thesis. Let us simply confirm it by facts. For more than 30 years, we have been able to observe from afar the progress of two orphanages for little girls, maintained by two separate congregations. Each one had to go through a period of evident decline. To be frank, out of 16 orphans, all of whom had entered under the same conditions and had left upon coming of age, three from the first house and two from the second had passed. In from 8 to 15 months, from the practice of frequent communion to the most degraded level of the social scale. Of the 11 others, one alone remained deeply Christian. And yet every one of them had been placed on leaving in a good situation. In one of these orphanages 11 years ago, there was a single change. A new mother superior was in installed. Six months afterwards, a radical transformation was apparent in the spirit of the house. The same transformation was observed three years later in the other orphanage, because while the same superior and the same sisters remained, the chaplain had been changed. Now, since that time, not a single one of the poor girls who left at the age of 21 has been dragged down by Satan into the gutter. Every one, every single one of them, without exception, has remained a good Christian. The reason for these results is very simple. At the head of the house or in the confessional, the spiritual direction previously given had not been really supernatural. And this was enough to paralyze or to at least cripple the action of grace. The former superior in one case and the former chaplain in the other, although sincerely pious people, had had no deep interior life and consequently exercised no deep or lasting influence. 
Theirs was a piety of the feelings, produced by their upbringing and environment, made up exclusively of pious practices and habits and giving them nothing but vague beliefs, a love without strength and virtues without deep root. It was a flabby piety, all in the show window, mawkish, mechanical. It was a fake piety, capable of forming good little girls who would not make a nuisance of themselves, affected little creatures full of pretty courtesies, but no force of character, dragged this way and that by their feelings and imaginations. A piety powerless to open up the wide horizons of Christian life and form valiant women, ready to face a struggle. All it was good for was to keep these wretched little girls locked up in their cages, sighing for the day when they would be let out. That was the poor excuse for a Christian life produced by gospel workers who knew almost nothing of the interior life. In the midst of these two communities, a superior, a chaplain, are replaced. Right away, the face of things is altered. What a new meaning prayer begins to take on. What a new fruitfulness in the sacraments. How different are the postures and bearing in chapel, even at work, at recreation. Analysis shows up a deep transformation, which also manifests itself in a serene joy, a new enthusiasm, the acquisition of virtues, and in some souls, an intense desire for a religious vocation. To what is such a transformation to be ascribed? The new superior, the new chaplain, led lives of prayer. No doubt, an attentive observer will have connected up similar effects to the same kind of causes any any number of boarding schools, day schools, hospitals, clubs, even parishes, communities, and seminaries. Listen to St. John of the Cross. Quote, Let the men eaten up with activity, he says, and who imagine they are able to shake the world with their preaching and other outward works, stop and reflect a moment. It will not be difficult for them to understand that they would be much more useful to the church and more pleasing to the Lord, not to mention the good example they would give to those around them if they devoted more time to prayer and to the exercises of the interior life. Under these conditions, by one single work of theirs, they would do far more good and with much less trouble than they do by a thousand others on which they exhaust their lives. Prayer would merit them this grace and would obtain for them the spiritual energies they need to bring forth such fruits. But without prayer, all they do amounts to nothing more than noise and uproar. It is like a hammer banging on an anvil and echoing all over the neighborhood. They accomplish a little more than nothing, sometimes absolutely nothing at all, and sometimes downright evil. God save us from such a soul as this. If it should happen to swell up with pride, it would be vain for appearances to be in his favor. The truth is that he would be doing nothing, because no good work can be done without the power of God. Oh, how much could be written on this subject for the information of those who give up practicing the interior life and aspire to brilliant works, which will put them up on a pedestal and make them the admiration of all. Such people know nothing at all about the source of living water and of the mysterious fountain which makes all fruit to grow. Some of the expressions this saint uses are just as strong as the accursed occupations quoted above from St. Bernard. Nor is it possible to accuse him of exaggerating when we remember that the qualities which Bousquet admired in St. John of the Cross were his perfect good sense and the zeal he had for warning souls against the desire of extraordinary ways of arriving at sanctity, as well as the most precise exactness in expressing his thoughts, which are themselves of remarkable depth. Tomorrow, 
we will continue with the attempting a study of the few of the causes of the faithfulness of the interior life. But for today, let us reflect upon these examples and how many of us can identify with these examples. Um, we can change the example of instead of orphans being raised in these two different orphanages to those who have been raised in our families. And that can be hard to hear, but it's something that we, especially those of us who are parents who have children who have fallen away, have to repent for in our own life. Were we truly faithful? Were our actions of piety just actions? Or were they truly devotions in which we are trying to become close to God? I know all of us do the best that we can, and I am in this boat with you. This is why I'm speaking this way. What we can do now is for us to develop our interior life in such a way that there is no falseness to it, there is no noise and uproar. Rather, there is all the spiritual energies needed in order to bring about great fruits with the power of God through us and with us and in us. So what would our resolution for today be? <sighs> Offer a sacrifice for any way that you might have led others astray. Offer a sacrifice and repentance for the many times that you went about your devotions without a true heart of devotion. Offer reparation and repentance for that. All of us in some way or another, even if our children are still practicing the faith, even if many people have come to know the faith through us, the fact is, is that somewhere along the way, we cause someone to not draw closer to God, to not know his love. For that, that one act alone, let us offer reparation and sacrifice today. You can choose whatever that sacrifice might be, but have a spirit of humility and know that we all have to make reparation and sacrifice. Our Lady asks this of us. She, in her uh, appearances, uh, she asks this of us for us to pray, especially pray the rosary, and offer reparation for the souls of those who are not close to her son, Jesus. To Jesus through Mary, may our sacrifice and reparation bring about healing and wholeness. Know of my continued prayers for each of you, especially as we continue our journey tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of this special series of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you think of others who may benefit from listening, be sure to share the podcast with them. Until next time, know of my prayers for you to be given whatever graces you may need to continue doing whatever it takes on the journey towards holiness so together we can tell the master of death, not today. God bless. Thank you.